I've been a Christian now for about 20 years. And to be honest with you, when it comes to being a Christian man, I still have questions, don't you? Like when you're studying the Bible, which translation of the Bible is the best to use? How do you respond to non-believers when they ask you why premarital sex is considered a sin? How can a loving God allow bad things to happen to good people? If I call out a friend on their bad behavior, am I being judgmental? And what do I say if my children ask, why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Well, if you're like me, then you too probably have questions. And today's guest has made it his job to provide answers. You don't want to miss this episode. Real Men Connect is next. Real Men Connect, episode 37. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Kenneth Ortiz, or like he likes to be preferred called Kenny. And Kenny is the founder and the host of the Theology for the Rest of Us podcast. He's an author, international speaker, and he's also the CEO of Blue Sky Missions, as well as Fourth Floor Media. Kenny has nearly 15 years of pastoral ministry experience, and he loves studying and discussing theology, and that's an understatement. His Theology for the Rest of Us podcast is designed to be a resource for any person who just wants to learn more about God. Kenny believes, and I agree with him, that far too many of us in the churches as church leaders, ministry leaders, are way too complex when it comes to speaking and teaching about God and making theology topics too hard to understand. I'm a loyal listener to Kenny's podcast, and I've asked him to be on the show today because I I believe he has a gift in providing simple answers to difficult questions. And I wanted to put Kenny to the test today by having him address several theolo- um, theology questions in just one episode. Maybe two, we'll see. And so with that being said, Kenny, welcome to Real Man Connect. Thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you so much for the invite. I am incredibly humbled and very, very excited about this. And Kenny, uh, I told you even before we came on the air that um, I'm a loyal listener to your podcast and I've referred my son to it and other people to it because... I think you you found something here. You say that we overcomplicate and we give complicated answers to simple questions, even though the questions are deep, but you can explain in a way that people can actually understand it. And I can't wait to um, allow you to address some of those questions today on our show. But Kenny, before we get started, man, um, I always ask my guests their favorite Bible verse and why. And can you give us yours, man? What inspires you when it comes to the word of God? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a, there's a bunch of them hard to narrow it down to one, but I would tell you 2 Corinthians 5.21, uh, it, it just speaks about God making him who knew no sin uh, to become sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. The, the entire gospel message summed into one basic sentence. Jesus was never intimate with sin, but became the very thing that God hates so that we could be declared righteous in God's eyes so that we could have a friendship with God again in spite of our own folly and depravity. Man, that truth inspires me to wake up every single day. 
And th that's awesome. I love that. Love that. Now, Kenny, before we get into the questions about theology and that men struggle with, I want our listeners out there to learn a little bit more about Kenny, the man. Um, give us a little bit of briefly. Tell us how you came to being a follower of Jesus Christ and what your what that journey was like for you. Yeah, I am uh, currently 33 years old. I live in Orlando, Florida, but I was uh, originally from Philly, PA. Shout out to any Philly fans out there. <laughs> I uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My, my parents didn't know Jesus at all when I was growing up. I'd never been to church. In fact, all I knew about Jesus was that uh, apparently Christmas was his birthday, and if you said his name in school, you get in trouble for cussing. Like That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's about, that's all I knew. Um, I, in fact, I legitimately, I didn't know that Easter was a Christian holiday until I was 12 years old. Wow. Um, I remember very vividly. I didn't know anything about God. And I mean, Easter was the day you, you know, Easter money, Easter eggs, you get a new outfit, you go to the movies, you go out to dinner. Like, I remember the day a friend of mine in school told me, Easter is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm like, get out of here. Come on, no one's ever come back from the <laughs> dead. That's dumb. And he's like, no, 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 really. Like, he came back from the dead. And that was my friend, Jim Roach. Uh, he was a buddy of mine in middle school. And uh, him and I, we just got to be buddies, and he invited me. He said, hey, man, you want to go to church? And I said, I've never been to church. Uh, what, what do you do at church? And he said, uh, this, no joke, this is what he told me. There's a lot of pretty girls at church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I asked, you know, I asked, what do you do at church? He tells me there's pretty girls. And being that I was a 13-year-old pervert, I decided <laughs> I wanted to go to church. I went to church. He was right. There were a lot of pretty girls there, so I kept going. And uh, after about nine months of attending church on and off, I went on a retreat, and it was there. I never forget it. February second, nineteen ninety six. I was at a youth retreat, uh, you know, with my youth group, and so I'm a big proponent of youth groups doing those sorts of events. I was at a youth retreat, and it that was the moment. The preacher was preaching. Everyone had their eyes closed, and he said, "And if you're not a hundred percent sure you're going to heaven, I want to talk to you tonight." And he he begins a dialogue, talk to us with our eyes closed about the gospel. And I remember he asked anyone to raise their hands if they wanted to, you know, to to receive Jesus. Um, and I looked to my peak to my right, my friend Steve, my peak to my, my left, my friend Jim, they didn't have their hands raised. And I thought, I realized they actually already know Jesus and I don't. Wow. And wow. I, I need Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it wasn't the good preaching that I, it was the nine months of friendship that Jim and his family had showed me the love of God through that family. Just the, they were just regular people. I don't mean that in a condescending way. I, right. Just regular folks. They just loved God. They went to a small little Presbyterian church and they invited this kid to come. And that started a friendship from seventh grade all the way through. I graduated high school. I would have dinner uh, at their house every Wednesday night. She, you know, we'd we'd have dinner at their house. Jim's mom would drive us to youth group. She'd drive me home. She'd pick us up, drive me home. And uh, it was it was going to youth group every Wednesday night and my friendship with the Roach family that really taught me what it meant to follow and love Jesus. And twenty years later, I've never looked back. And Kenny, I have that. I love that story, man. And they they did life on life with you, and you watched them be that sermon, you know, of um, brotherly love, of of Christian fellowship. But I gotta ask you this, man: How's your family respond to this? Because here's their thirteen year old going off to a retreat. Now he's coming back, and he's believing um, in Jesus Christ that he died for his sins. What's the, what's the reaction from your parents when you did that? Uh, it was it was mixed. There were moments where they were excited because in their mind they thought. Well, it's, you know, better he be at church than out hanging out on the street corner right. doing drugs. Right. So there was, to that extent, there was a, that was an exciting thing for them. I think um, where there was some hostility was when I began to try to try to witness to them and try to preach the gospel. And I had many family members make it clear to me that they, you know, that Jesus thing maybe works for you, but what works for you doesn't work for me. Don't try to preach to me. That was, and, and be, being a young, arrogant, 
Christian person. I just, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I just was very combative in the way I presented the gospel right. because I just didn't know better. Mm-hmm. And I'd tell people, no, you're just, you're dumb. You're going to go to hell. You need, <laughs> oh, you need, my you know, and I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I still struggle with, with, with my own ability to be gracious at times with people. And, yeah. and that, so it's p- part of my personality. So a very, a really mixed feeling. Um, some days it was great. Some days it was, it was argumentative. Well, if you don't mind me asking, as far as your parents now, cause you say it's been 20 years and yeah. have they given their life over to the Lord? Are they still seeking? Or are they still like, Oh, don't bring that mess into <laughs> around here. That's a great question. Uh, my family, all they're all over kind of the map. Um, my mom is now a regular attender at a local church in Philly, okay. which is really exciting. So, you know, uh, my parents are divorced since then. And they, uh, you know, she, her and her, her, my stepfather, her husband, they do go to church on a regular basis. Um, I, I would not label them Christ followers yet, right. uh, but but they, they are seeking and searching and seeking uh, for, for truth. So we, we have had some dialogue and some questions, and so there's been some some positive momentum there, so to speak. I have a younger sister who has uh, made moments where she's followed Jesus and has some has had some up and down in her faith, um, but but is also a regular attender in church, and God is doing some work there. I have I have a cousin, I have a brother and his his wife who are now Christ followers. Uh, my dad is not. My dad is still relatively hostile toward the gospel mm-hmm. and overall. Um, but his wife, my stepmother, is a little more open. So it's kind of all over the map. There definitely overall has been positive uh, direction, but 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 not quite where I where I'm hoping and and still praying for daily. Now, with your dad, since you guys are not on the same page when it comes to this, and he's kind of opposed to it, what's your relationship with him personally like? Yeah, on a personal level, and and my dad would not be against me saying this publicly. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had some, uh, we've had a very tenuous, very tensed relationship, right. very stressful relationship for, for most of my life. Um, it really wasn't until my mid to late twenties, where we really began to have some real reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of some of the stuff I know you talk about in previous episode and kind of in your work and traveling and speaking that, you know, there was a father wound in my life. Right. Um, and I was just really bitter toward my dad. So I, I didn't, and I was wrong in this, but I really didn't allow quality conversation to happen because I was just, I was really bitter. Uh, but God began to really convict my heart in my mid to late twenties and just say, Hey man, like I've rescued you, Kenny, I love you. I want you to now demonstrate the love to your father that I've given you because you, you are the only Christ follower in his life. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that he regularly talks to that knows and loves me. You are the only sermon he's going to listen to. Right. And so as God convicted me and God has given me the grace to be better in that, our, our relationship has gotten substantially better. Uh, typically, we talk about sports. We talk about life. We talk a little bit about Jesus when I try to push the issue. Mm-hmm. We talk a little bit about politics because we don't see eye to eye on our politics. Um, but uh, but it's, 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 it's progressing, but it's slow. You know what, Kenny, you know, we didn't know each other prior to me bring you on to the show, but that's sort of, you just kind of described the same relationship I have with my dad. And it's the same way it's progressing and we don't see eye on a lot of different things, but it's getting better because as we grow in Christ and you know, this is that we realize that we, yeah, we may be the only Bible that they read. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, I call it, um, be an ambassador, not an imposter of Christ <laughs> to the people who, who love us and who care about us. So, but I'm glad, um, that you, you shared that with us. Now, I know our listeners thinking, okay, I thought he brought Kenny on here to talk about theology, you know, but my thing is I always want to know about the man because there's something that inspires the man to do what he does. So my, my question before we get into some of the questions about theology is what inspired you to, to launch theology for the rest of us? What what pushed you towards this, starting this, part, this podcast, which I love? 
Yeah, you know, this is what a, this has been a, a passion project of mine. It's been on my brain for several years, and so I, the real, really, the genesis of this was I get I get a lot of questions. I mean, I spent the bulk of my adult life in in youth ministry in one way or another. So from the time I was graduated high school, I was an intern at a church, and then I've been a youth pastor pretty much through most of my twenties. Uh, a brief period of time, I worked for a nonprofit that that serves youth pastors. So again, still in the same field, and I discovered over and over and over again young people, young adults, teenagers coming to me and asking me questions about the Bible and and the answers they'd been given before are either too complex or are not a real solid answer. And and I remember being a teenager because that was me. I came to church. I knew nothing about the Bible. In fact, I, I tell people this all the time. When I was 14 years old, I went to the library and I checked out the Jesus Storybook Bible because I was reading the regular Bible that had been given, and I didn't, I didn't understand it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. So I went and I literally, I was 14 years old, and I went and got a book, a Bible that was for like designed for like six year olds. Okay. Only, and, and that was the Bible I read, and I read it in secret. I didn't tell anybody for a couple of years, but that was my primary Bible until I was like 16 or 17. Wow. Which I know sounds crazy to some people, but now on this side of it, in my 30s, I began to realize like. There's a lot of people that are trying to read the Bible. They want to know God. They love God. They, but they just don't get it. They hear sermons. This doesn't make sense. They, they, they read the Bible. Just their brain is not capable of getting it because they've been given a lot of information that clouds it. If it was, if it's a blank slate, it actually makes sense. And so I just was passionate about launching a podcast that answered questions, assuming that the people listening didn't know anything. Don't assume they know things mm-hmm. or don't expect them to know certain things. If you use a word that's complex, make sure you break it down. And so that, that's really what has inspired this, you know, thinking about my own, you know, coming to faith and my own desire to grow and learn more as well as, I mean, the number of times I've had someone come to me and ask me a question. In fact, every single episode we've done in the, on the podcast, you know, at this point, 40 plus episodes, every single one of them is some question that some young person came to me and asked me at some point, in my ministry career. Oh, okay. I get it now. Okay. That is, that is so I, I'm not even, well, I'm not going to give away your show because I'm thinking, because I would want to ask this probably off the air because I was wondering, so how many questions do you have already prepared that you're going to be answering on your episodes? Yep. <laughs> but we'll, they'll have to, they have to go to your episodes and download them when they come out. <laughs> I won't put you out there like that, but, but that is great, Kenny. That makes perfect sense to me. Now, before we get into the questions again, I know I, I can't wait because I've, I've listened to your shows, but you, you, you just, every time you give me an answer, it makes me think of something else. So you say you started reading this, this book on it, like that I guess was written for like for sixth graders and you did it in secrecy. Nobody knows you're reading this book. What would you recommend for the person who really had the desire like you had to say, man, I really want to know God. I really want to build a relationship with Christ, but I'm confused by most stuff that I read. Would you recommend that same book that you read or, or do you now have some resources that you recommend to people who are trying to start out to build their faith? That's a really great question. Uh, there, I, I, sadly, there are not a lot of resources that I really that I really trust. There's really? a lot of resources. Wow. Yeah, there's there's limited. There are a few, though, that I've discovered along the way that, are, that's, that is really, really good. Um, so I was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, really great in a lot of ways. And so the Jesus Storybook Bible, that, that really, it's designed for like elementary school kids, but you can really up until middle school, I know it's, it's kind of embarrassing for some. Now you do have some middle schoolers, you know, fifth, fifth grade and up that are, that are a little more intelligent and they could rehandle. The, the Bible translation that I typically, I tell people just read the Bible, but read a translation that makes sense. The one that I've been recommending to younger audiences is the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one, and I think that's the one that I will readily admit is not the most accurate word for word 
Bible translation out there. So I know I get I get all kinds of flack from people. It's not the most accurate. How can you recommend that one? Because the, the reality is it, it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you read if you don't understand it. Like right. people ask me, which translation of the Bible should you read? Whichever one you're going to understand and obey. Like That's the one. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. the, the New Living is the one that I typically recommend. Um, and then th- there's a few devotionals out there that I recommend. There's one called Knowing God or, yeah, Know God. It's produced by the Orange Rethink Group. Um, you can just Google Rethink Group Orange. They're a great organization out of Atlanta, Georgia. They produce curriculums mm-hmm. for churches. And so they've got several devotionals for teenagers. But what I discovered is even people in their 20s can read these and they make sense for them. So they're designed for young people, but they actually can apply to just about anybody. Right. And you know, you say that some people may feel embarrassed by reading those type of books, but the Bible tells us that if we humbly, that he opposes the property, gives grace to the humble. And if you look for understanding, you're asking for God's grace anyway. So, I mean, I don't care, you know, what it is I'm reading. If it's going to help me grow in my faith, so be it. You know, so I'm glad that you were being um, authentic and transparent with us to let us know that's how. Because I tell you, I'm impressed with your show and and your knowledge of the word and how you do your research. But it's good to hear where it started for you. So that means we can all eventually be a Kenny Ortiz when it comes <laughs> to studying the Bible and studying the word. You know, so I'm excited. so you know, let's get let's get down to it, man. And you kind of you already addressed one of the questions I was going to ask you about the translation thing. <laughs> so we might come back to that. But on your show, um, typically for those who hadn't heard your show, I'm going to try to explain it to them. And you correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, that you address one question per episode. Um, typically, and you do interview guests too, but you address one question per episode with your that based on your listeners' questions. And you mentioned that young people have been giving me some of those questions because I was wondering where'd you get those questions from. But um but like I said earlier, I'm going to challenge you to answer as many questions as you can in only one episode. Okay? All right. All right. And I'm hoping I'm not putting you on the spot, Kenny, but I, I, but I believe I know based on what I hear from you, you can do it. So I'm rooting for you, Kenny. All right. All right? I'm going to ask you a question that they haven't asked you on your show. When it comes to men and women, what theological questions do men seem to struggle with more so than women? Man, that's a really great it's, it's a great question. Side note, we do have a series of episodes coming up that address some of those. So really? They haven't, they haven't gone live yet. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited about that. Um, it, it is funny. There is a uniqueness. When it comes to specifically gender roles, men don't seem to often I, – I, I don't mean to uh, – most men don't seem to care or have as much passion about gender roles or gender distinctions. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm talking to women, the theological questions often are around, well, what's the difference between men and women? You know, can women be pastors? What's right. the role of a man and woman? What, you know, so, some of those issues are often come from women. I don't get those from men nearly as often. They don't seem to be as passionate about that. But when it comes to things that men ask me way, way more than women ask me, um, they always fall into two, to one of two categories. One is, like, you know, men will say things, something like, how do I lead my family? Like, you mm-hmm. know, men ask that a lot. Like, the Bible... I believe tells me that I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader of my household. And a lot of men are like, how the heck do I do that? Like they just, that's, that's a major question. And I even get that from young guys in their, that are in their high school years or in their twenties that aren't even married. that are like, how do I do that one day? Or what do I do now to prepare for that? So I have a lot of questions that fall into that bucket. Mm-hmm. And then the other bucket, which is the one that probably is obvious is, is revolving around sexual sin. So mm-hmm. lust, masturbation, pornography, you know, purity, those those are the two main buckets that I get from men that seemingly, are, you know, they're asking, what does the Bible say about this? It seemingly is very different than what women typically ask about. 
All right. And I'm glad you said that because now that means I'm not being selfish by going back to your podcast and I picked my favorite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the ones, because also I, I get a lot of questions from guys and also, and I'll, and I'll be remiss not to mention the one you just started with. And, and guys, I did not set this up for Kenny. Kenny said it. I did not give Kenny any questions before I came <laughs> on the show. You just said that one of the questions that you get asked the most, and you said from young and old men, older right. men, is how do I lead my family? Kenny, it's funny you say that because on our website, um, I have a freebie that I give away a book that, uh, sort of like a, I guess a small, pamphlet of a book, maybe about 40 pages. And the book is called This Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint, 21 Practical Ways to Love and Lead Your Family. And it's answering that question that you just said, because people say, Joe, how, you know, you're, you seem to have it together with your family. Your wife seems to be madly in love with you. Your children seem to be okay. And they're not doing drugs and all this other stuff. And I told them I had to be taught how to spiritually lead my family. That's called discipleship. And so what I decided to do is take everything that I've learned. Of course, it's not you know, all inclusive of everything, but what has helped me grow as a spiritual leader, because no one taught me how to do it. I had to find out how to do it from several men. And so I just put it all in one spot. And so that's a great, great plug, Kenny, for um, going to our <laughs> website, realmenconnect.com and download that resource. It is free. <laughs> okay. That's awesome, man. Now, but I'm going to go in because I, I, I tell you, I was excited about bringing you on the air, man, because I listen to your show all the time. I've been referring people to it. And I, and you just mentioned some of the topic areas. And so those are going to be some of the questions that going to ask you and i want you to respond to us in reference to men and again we got a lot if we don't get to all of them kenny it's okay i just want to at least put the ones now i decided to ask you the questions in order of the shows as they came out on your podcast is this okay now you already answered well i i don't know well you answered a different type of translation but which version of the bible is best and your answer is twofold the esv and the nlt those are the two i recommend um, the, the, the 10 second reason is there's a variety of different styles of translating the Bible. Mm-hmm. People don't realize, I think, um, and I didn't know what this for a long time. The Bible is written in these ancient language that are very, very difficult to translate in the modern English. It's, it's an extremely difficult task that we trust in Bible translators. And in most cases they do a phenomenal job. And so that's exciting that we have incredible Bible translations today in modern English. Um, and of all the different philosophies, the philosophy that I like most are the ones that the ESV and the NLT uh, use. The most accurate word for word, from my understanding, is the New American Standard. Right. Um, but when you translate something from the Bible word for word from antique ancient languages until into contemporary English, you, you don't get sentences that always make sense. It sounds like it's Yoda from Star Wars. You know, it's like <laughs> it, like it, it what? So you so then you need to somehow take the liberty to slightly change the sequence in order for it to make sense in English. And there's people, there's people out there that are nervous about that. We don't want to change the sequence Mm. of the word of God. And I understand it. And I respect that. However, people are going to, they're not going to get it. So we then have to be willing to take some liberty slightly to change the sequence ever so slightly. The ESV does it a little bit. The NLT takes a little bit more liberty. So the NLT makes more sense in modern English than the ESV does. Uh, so those are the two translations I typically recommend. Uh, and then for just additional resources, I like a Bible translation that is really not heard of a lot called the Phillips Bible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the British version of the message. Uh, the message Bible is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. And it's okay to read it if you understand that. Don't try to quote it as if it's a Bible. But it's, it's kind of fun to read. 
Um, it kind of helps maybe bring some life to some Bible verses. It's not the Bible itself. Well, the, the, the J.B. Phillips is kind of the British version of that. I think it's slightly better. So okay. hopefully that's helpful to people listening. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to, um, at least helpful to me as well, because when I'm referring, because if people ask me, and I'm like, I don't know, when are you going to obey? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I love the way you break it down, because you explain um, the differences and the nuances. And I, I would, again, that, and for those who are listening, that's episode four. Okay, on your podcast. And so here's the next one. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? What do you how do you respond to that if men ask you that? Is Jesus the only way to heaven? I'm exploring a lot of different um religions and ours this this one just seems so exclusive. Yeah. What what what's your response to that? That the basic response is he is the only way because he claimed to be the only way. And he made it very clear. I mean, a bunch of times in the Bible. Uh, there are there are uh, words of that, but the biggest one is John fourteen. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." I mean, it, it can't, it's clearer than that. Uh, I mean, it's, it can't be any clearer than that. Right. And, and some people say, "Well, he was a good teaching." You can listen to some. C.S. Lewis has a great line where he says, "Jesus is either a lunatic, mm-hmm. a liar, or he's Lord." I know that's he right. He can't be all three, and so mm-hmm. he is e- either what he said about him is what he said about himself is true, that he is God, he is the only way, or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. If he's a liar or a lunatic, we should discredit him altogether completely. Right. But the fact that he died and he rose from the dead, the physical resurrection of Jesus is the evidence that he is God. Therefore, we must trust what he says. And there is tremendous historical evidences for the resurrection of Jesus. So you either have to reject them altogether or you have to believe he's the only way. Right. Now, Kenny, is there any um, resource out there that you would recommend that someone read if they want to find out, quote, the evidence that Jesus was resurrected? What do you recommend? That, that's great. There are several great books. We actually have a podcast coming up soon about that topic. The, the best evidence of books out there and resources. Uh, Josh McDowell wrote a book back in the oh, 70s. Awesome. The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Mm -hmm. He he updated it, I believe, in the early 90s. It's called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's it's phenomenal. Um, There's another book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. He covers some of the evidence. Um, One of my favorite theologians is a guy by the name of Gary Habermas. He's the... uh, I believe he's the dean of theology at Liberty University. I may have—he's at Liberty University. I may be messing up his title. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has written, I think, 20 or 25 different books on evidences for the resurrection. He actually has a lecture he does online. Um, You can find on YouTube. You can just Google his name, uh, Gary Habermas, Liberty University. And he has about an hour-long lecture. That's kind of his, like, his— his, pr- his premier lecture that he does that explains how we know for sure Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. Um, and so, and then there's another book that just came out called uh, by a guy named Dr. John Morris. It's called Resurrected. He's, a, uh, he's an evangelist, an attorney uh, out of Oklahoma, and it's a really short book called Resurrected. He's actually the guy, he's going to be on my podcast. Um, it's called, that goes live in a few weeks. So, okay. so, so those are several books that clearly lie, you know, kind of uh, outline the evidence Jesus did, in fact, raise from the dead. And for the listeners out there, Jesus is the only, you know, only with the question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? That's episode seven on um, on on Kenny's podcast. Now we're going to get into some of the other issues that you brought up before that men struggle with and want to know answers to. Kenny, on episode 11, you said, why, why is premarital sex a sin? And this is a great question that I've been, I, I didn't realize that this was a big deal. I had a friend of mine who just got married in September. I was the best man at his wedding. And he came to me like right before the wedding. He's like, you know, Kenny, I uh, I believe that premarital sex is a sin because my pastor told me, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. Um, 
and he said, uh, but I, why is it a sin? I never, he's like, I never stopped to ask. And so this, and, and then after the episode went live, I had a bunch of people saying to me, I had the same question, but I never asked it. Um, mm-hmm. and so in essence, you know, God created one man, one woman in the bounds of covenant in the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Um, and, and it was God's desire to, to do something that would bring them together, spiritually unite them. And so we don't know how this happens. It's a supernatural, it's a mysteri- mysterious thing. The Bible doesn't describe how this happens. But when you have sex or you engage in any kind of sexual relation with someone in any way, it, 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 it binds your souls together. You know, some people call these soul ties. Right. Uh, uh, I don't use that terminology, but I, I get it. And so, but it, it takes pieces of your soul and it sticks it to their soul and pieces of their soul get stuck to your soul. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing that keeps that together is the, is a covenant that God blesses. And if you're not within covenant, that you don't have God's supernatural blessings. And, and so therefore, when you engage in sexual relations and you break away from each other, when the act is over, it's, it's like taking two pieces of paper and gluing them together and then ripping them apart. You're going to have pieces of each other breaking off. And, and you don't have to be a Christian to believe this. Like you can go to just about any person, and specifically, particularly women, right? Will say this. You know, that I just feel connected, and, and I think men would agree to this too. You know, when you're engaging in sexual activity, you feel connected, you feel bonded, you feel closer. Um, you know, statistics show that men are willing to sacrifice more for a woman that he's sexually active with than a woman that he is not. Um, and it's, it's, there's just this sense of men are not willing to lay down their lives for a woman. The, the, in, in, in the most extreme way, unless there's a sexual connection there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, so sex is more than just fi- feeling good in the moment. It is this supernatural, spiritual, mysterious unification that the Holy Spirit does. So when you're having sex, the Holy Spirit is there to, to, to be in the midst of that. And if you treat sex in such a way that is not sacred, then you are, then you are speaking, you are doing something that is, a, that is a, in my opinion, a form of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Not, not the same form that Jesus is talking about you know, in Matthew as mm-hmm. the unforgivable sin, but it is a form of basically saying, I know this is a space where the Holy Spirit lives, where the Holy Spirit should be the one in control, but I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. I'm in control because I feel good. It's the exact opposite of the gospel. The gospel says that Jesus laid down his life and he sacrificed what he, you know, he sacrificed himself for the betterment of someone else. In premarital sex, we're saying, I don't care about that person. It's about me. It's the exact opposite of what Jesus said. It's self-seeking. And in, in marriage, God blesses mar- uh, God blesses sex for the unification of two souls. When you go outside of that, you are guaranteed to experience pain. You're guaranteed to hurt someone or yourself. It's guaranteed. It's never possible to engage in any kind of sexual encounter and it not cause pain if it's outside of marriage. And so God tells us, don't do this, not because he's mean and he's trying to keep us from having fun, because, because he loves us and he wants to protect us. Right, right. And, and, and it, typically the gender that gets more hurt is the female gender, mm-hmm. and God calls men to protect women. So if you are a man engaging in sexual sin with a woman, you are hurting her. You are not only sinning in that way, you're also sinning in that you didn't do what you're supposed to do as a man. And, and we see in Scripture that typically does not go well for you if you are a man that that defies God by not protecting the women around you. Can that's an excellent way. I love the way you explained that, and also for a lot of our younger listeners, it doesn't have to be because um, my pastor told me I shouldn't. You, I mean, you hit on so many different points with that. I think um, you did a great job in explaining that. Now we're going to even get something closer to that. Three episodes later, on episode fourteen um, on your podcast, you answered the question. I would love to hear how you responded to our listeners. Is masturbation really a sin? 
I, this is one of the most asked questions by young guys in my youth groups. Wow. Um, all the time. That should tell um, us something right there. <laughs> and, um, and it's, and it's the most downloaded episode so far. Oh, we've had. Yes. By <laughs> wow. a long shot. Um, it's like twice the next one. So, went to, so, wow. uh, I think probably because people aren't, people are afraid to talk about this. And so there are some people that say masturbation is a sin. Don't do it because God said so. And some people say, well, it's not a sin. Don't worry about it. And I think both of those perspectives are a little bit flawed. Uh, the Bible never says that masturbation is a sin. No. So I'm always very hesitant to say something is sinful when the Bible hasn't clearly said it's sinful. So th that makes me nervous to do that. Mm -hmm. However, major caveat, there is some great evidence that masturbation is not helpful. Right. And, and in the podcast, I use the example of it may not be sinful for me to eat two dozen donuts before I go to bed tonight. Mm -hmm. um, but if I eat two dozen donuts before I go to bed tonight, um, I'm, I might not, I might not wake up feeling all that great, right? I, I might, I might vomit. I might throw up. So just because something is not sinful doesn't make it beneficial. Doesn't make it helpful. Um, you know, uh, Paul says this in First Corinthians ten: all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Right. So I may be allowed to do something, but it doesn't mean I should. Like I may be allowed to do whatever X Y Z. I may be allowed to drive hundred miles an hour on a, a freeway. I might be allowed to do that somewhere in the world, but it may not be safe. Right. There are some places in the world where that's illegal and there's some places in the world where there's no law. But regardless of whether that's the law or not, driving 100 miles an hour probably isn't safe in most environments. So masturbation is similar. It may not be against God's law, but it's, it's potentially detrimental uh, and it's detrimental in a few different ways. One, it tr physically speaking, it trains your body to respond to yourself. Mm -hmm. So a lot of men in particular struggle with erectile dysfunction later in life and there's overwhelming stats that point to to an overuse or an overindulgence in masturbation, um, and it, it it happens for women as well. Not nearly as much, but it does happen for women where they get married and they're no, they're not turned on by their by their husband. They, they know they're no longer excited because they've they they know how to please themselves. What do I need you for? And, and it actually drives a wedge. It drives a problem. So, um, you know, people, divorce lawyers and divorce counselors will tell you that money problems are the biggest reason people cite for uh, for divorces. Right. Uh, but number two is typically sexual issues in their in their relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes you do surveys. I've, I've read surveys of men that have had affairs, and and it's like the reason why you had had an affair wasn't because they had this uh, because they had a a, a a woman that was better looking. Uh, you know, or or more attractive to them, but because just sex at home was boring, so they needed something different, they needed something new. And with masturbation, you know, you, you get accustomed to things. Your brain, it has to do with the chemical serotonin and the way your brain releases hormones. So if you're a man that's masturbating on a regular basis, you get accustomed to, uh, to uh, being aroused by yourself and your brain now likes that. And when you, when you interject something other than yourself into the category, it, it gets very, it's very uh, damaging. Um, and it will damage your desire for your wife. So again, masturbation might not be sinful, but it's also not helpful. And it potentially has some major physiological and major relational da dangers down the road. And so I say to all men, Man, you don't indulge in masturbation, not because it's sin, but because it can be very harmful. Right. And Kenny, thank you for sharing that. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there that people could um, to to back up what you're saying. That's why I wanted to bring you on the show, because listening to you on your podcast, you just have a way of being able to say, OK, now let's get down to the nuts and bolts. You know, I can give you all the this, the data and the research and the case studies and all this. But let's get back down to basics. And I, and I love the way you broke that down. That is great. Now, 
I know this is a question that I know you get also from women as well, but I know men struggle with this because I get this question a lot and you cover this in episode 16 is why do bad things happen to good people? Because I can tell you this, Kenny, one of our one of the most popular downloads we have on our podcast is a guest that we brought on who the title of the show was um, when good um, when bad things happen to good men. And that one has been one of the most popular downloads that we've had on our show, because obviously a lot of people go through the struggle and they have faith, but then bad things happen. So how would you, how did you address that? Man, uh, it's a great question. It's, it's one of our most downloaded as well. Mm -hmm. And I I would say if if you're, if you're a man listening to this and you've gone through some pain in your life, um, I want to, I don't want to minimize that. Like pain is real. It it stinks. It hurts. Uh, you know, statistics tell us that everything from child abuse to miscarriages, all kinds of crazy bad things happen to people every single day. Um, and it's tragic. And I believe that God's heart hurts for people in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, there's several understandings as to why bad things happen. And I, and, and, and I try to rephrase the question because, there, because it was only one time in human history where a bad thing happened to a good person. And that is that was Jesus and he volunteered. Sometimes we think we think we're good. We think we deserve good things. Biblically speaking, we're actually bad. If you look at Romans 2, Romans 1 and 2 tell us like, that we are sinful. We have depravity. Um, we have evil in our hearts. Now, we're not completely evil. We're definitely capable of doing good things. Right. But, but we are totally depraved, meaning that every part of us in some way is impacted by sin. And so no one listening to this is a good person. I'm not a good person. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why do bad things happen to bad people? Right. And that's because we're bad people. <laughs> Uh, and, I love and so, that. Um, and, and so the reality is like, if something bad has happened to you, it's because you live in a fallen world run by bad people. Mm-hmm. And so it may, a bad thing may happen to you, not because of your bad choices, but because of the bad choices of you, humanity as a whole. And the reality is that God in his justice is allowing things to go on. And God is sovereignly in the midst of those things because it is just. I mean, can you imagine if we went to a court and a judge said to you, uh, you know, said, hey, this, you know, I know there's some people out there, you know, doing bad things. But we're just going to just let them all off the hook. Um, we're not going to punish anybody. We're not going to allow the justice system to to play its course. We would say that judge is a terrible judge. Mm-hmm. And so God is looking at humanity and he says humans are sinning every day, which brings upon bad things on planet Earth that affects all humans. God would be a bad judge if he didn't say, I have to allow some of this to play to play out. I have to allow some people to suffer the consequences of sin. Now, there are definitely strong biblical evidences that God is stepping in and holding that back, right? That I think if God wasn't involved, it'd be way, way worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's no doubt that God is purposely allowing a lot of things so that justice can be served, and he's also holding things a lot back. But we have to remember that the promise of Romans 8 is that all things work together of the good who those who love mm-hmm. him, who are called according to his purpose. Um, Joseph in Genesis 50 says, you know, he says to his brothers that sold him into slavery, you meant this for evil, God meant this for good. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph is saying, listen, my brothers sinned against me, they hurt me, this bad thing happened to me, but God still was in it. And God is using it. And if those of you who don't know the story, Joseph basically becomes, you know, the governor over Egypt, second in command, and he's able to use his position of power to rescue thousands of people out of famine. 
But if he had never been sold into slavery, he would never be in Egypt right. and he would have never been second in command. He would have never been able to rescue those people. And in Genesis 50, 20, Gen uh, Joseph says, God did this so that many could be saved. Mm. So when bad things happen, we have to recognize that God is allowing it to happen, that God is in the midst of it. God is, is working it out so that someone can be saved, so that someone can be rescued. Why are you going through this painful thing? Why is this bad thing happening to you? Because God is going to use you somehow. We don't know how. We can't see it. But I promise you, God has not forgotten you. God is going to use it. The question should not be, why is God doing this? The question should be, for whom is God doing this? That's right. And how is he going to use this? That's, right. that, that's awesome, Kenny. Thank you, man. I mean, I think a lot of men out there need to hear that, especially those who are struggling. I know when I'm going through, man, I hang my hat on Romans 8, 28. Just like you said, that's my hope. That's my faith. Um, someone asked me that, Joe, if you're life was a, a a book and somebody had to give it a title, what would it be? I said, oh, that's easy. It's from my namesake, Joseph, God meant it for good. Right. And because I can look back now and see that even the worst of times he's used now for the best, um, right. best results. Now on episode 26, and man, I know you get this one a lot because that's why you covered it on the show. And I know you probably get this from men, especially those who are probably non-believers is should Christians judge? Man, it's a great question. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's there's a misunderstanding of the word judge. Mm -hmm. So um, the Bible never tells us to not judge. But the Bible, in fact, tells us to judge. Jesus says, lest not you be judged. What he's saying there is like, don't judge if you don't want to be someone that's judging, it's, that gets judged, I mean. And then he explains how to judge right after. He's like, because it went basically the same standard that you set is going to be set against you. Right. And so... Basically, Jesus is saying, listen, if you don't if you don't want to ever be judged, then don't judge. But if you're okay with being judged, then you should go ahead and judge. Um, and in fact, later in John 7, he specifically says that make sure that when you judge, you judge righteously and fairly. Because the, because the Pharisees would judge people very unfairly. So when we say don't judge, what we really should say is don't judge unfairly. Someone walks in your church, don't pass judgment upon them without being fair. Jesus says it's okay to judge as long as we do it fairly and righteously. Um, so the example I use all the time, we judge every day. Like I walk into Chipotle yesterday for lunch. I eat at Chipotle about three days a week. Um, I walk into <laughs> Chipotle. I walk into Chipotle for lunch. I'm making a judgment. I see the chicken. D do I want that chicken in my body? Yes or no. I'm making a judgment. I'm making an assessment. I'm coming to a conclusion about whether or not I want that chicken in my body. Mm. So we can't. No one's going to say, "Well, don't judge Chipotle." No, no, no. <laughs> Now, it would be wrong if I'm sitting in the parking lot and I don't walk in. I say, no, 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 that chicken's bad. Well, how do you know? You haven't even seen it. Right. You haven't even given it a chance. Mm -hmm. That's an unfair judgment. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. So Jesus tells us, don't judge unfairly. But if I walk in the Chipotle and I look at the chicken and it's looking a little green and, and maybe there's a, there's a hair in there, <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I, don't, I don't want that chicken. That's a fair judgment. That's a fair assessment. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's a silly example, but I mean, you know what? What if someone was was accused of being a child molester? Mm -hmm. Let's say there's a let's say there's a 22 year old guy in your church who was a child who's being accused of being a child molester. You're not sure, and he comes up to you at the church one day and says, "Hey, I want to be a babysitter for your two five year olds, uh, <laughs> for your five for your five year old girl and your eight year old son." You might go, "Uh, I, I heard a rumor." Would you say, "Well, don't judge. That's not fair. Right. That's not right. no, no, no." You, we would expect that parent to make a judgment, like to make a conclusion, to say. Um, let me figure out what's going on first and see whether or not you're, you're, you are the right person 
for the job. And it would be right if a parent went, well, I'm not so sure he's the right guy. That's, that's a form of judgment that you're, you're making a conclusion about whether or not he is the right guy or not. Right. And if you said no, that would be an appropriate judgment. That's a fair and righteous judgment. But we want to make sure we're not judgmental, meaning we're constantly looking for ways to judge people before they even give us a chance. Absolutely. Great job on that, Kenny. And Because, you know, that's a question that that we're asked constantly. And even people who not, don't even follow Christ, they want to use that, quote, against us as Christians in the media. Um, because they say, oh, you're judging. D- doesn't your Bible tell you not to judge? So I love the way you broke that down, to not judge unfairly and not to be judgmental. I love that. Now, this is uh, an important question to me um, as a man, uh, because I deal with a lot of men who struggle with their identity um, in Christ. And I got to tell you, even though this may not have been the most downloaded um, episode on your podcast, which is episode 33, but I believe it's an issue that a lot of men struggle with, but they don't want to talk about. And why is it hard to believe that God loves me? Man, yeah. That was one of my one of my own personal favorites. I got a chance yeah. to interview Mike Adams on that episode, and just uh, there's there, there's something intrinsic in humans to want to achieve our own value, and there's there's something intrinsic in human beings to want to prove our worth and and to lift ourselves up. But because of sin, we have we we have surrendered the ability to do that. None of us are able to prove to God that we're worthy. None of us. But that thing inside of us is still there. And because of sin, it's even it's twisted and it's maligned. And so now, rather than accepting God's love, we want to prove ourselves. You know, God says, I love you. I like you. I have affection for you. I, I smile when I see you. I get excited when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. When, whenever I see your face, Kenny, I like you. Whenever, you know, God says, Joe, whenever I see your face, I like you. I get excited about you. But the thing inside of us that says, no, no, I got to prove myself, you just goes, it's, it speaks against that. You know, if we if we're walking in Walmart and a stranger comes up to us and says, "Hey, Joe, I really like you," you'd go, "I don't even know you, dude." And that's what, like, what are you talking about? That's what we do to God. Like, but you don't even know me. Right. We forget that. No, He does know you. Mm-hmm. He knows you way better. And it's because we don't believe the truth that God really does know us. That He really does care about every single detail. He He knows every hair on our head, that he hurts when we hurt, that he smiles when we smile, that he gets excited when we try. And whether we whether we fail or succeed, he doesn't care. He loves when we even try. Like God is not mad when you when you blow it. God is celebrates when you even make an attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the thing inside of us, the sinful nature keeps us from believing. That's just too good to be true. We're just, we, we can't believe that God actually like us, likes us because we think humans don't, if humans knew how trash we were, they <laughs> yeah, wouldn't love us. Right. But we seem to forget God is not like a human. Mm-hmm. God, God is not like, not like man. God desperately and passionately delights in you and loves you no matter what. Nothing you could do to get him to love you more because he's already at the max. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you could do to, to undo it because he has promised to be fiercely committed to you. He doesn't just love you. He has affection for you. He likes you. He delights in you and every single human. And our sin shouts against that truth, but it is so true. Kenny, man, I got to tell you, you know, I had um, some other questions to get to and we're running out of time, but I think God's um, sovereignty is so perfect. What a, that, I think that's a great question to stop with is that one because what you just said i know and i'm believing this in my heart and i guess i'm praying this in my spirit that that um sets free a lot of men out there who are struggling with their identity in christ and thinking that well 
Joe, if God only, yeah, but God, can, how can he possibly love someone like me uh, after what I've done? And all of us, all of us have blood on our hands. We're not, none of us are innocent, you know, and some are even more guilty than others, but he doesn't grade on a curve. And I like the way you said his love for us is already maxed out. You can't do enough to earn it. You can't do enough bad things to lose it. So Kenny, I love the fact that we're ending with that question, even though I had a few more and I'm now going to put you on the spot because I'm sure Kenny, you will want to come back on the show and answer some more questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause I can't wait to bring you back on, but now it's time for our infamous man up question. And Kenny, these are five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And all they require is fearless honesty on your part. And you just shoot from the hip with them and let them rip. And the question is, are you ready? I'm ready. And we'll get started with those questions right after this short break. If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Kenny, you say that you're ready. So we're going to start with the first letter. And the first letter is M and it stands for mistake. Kenny, what mistake did you learn the most from as a man? Uh, This is a story. I I don't, I'm not ashamed of this one. I don't, I don't necessarily tell it a lot, but Mm -hmm. I was a youth pastor in my mid twenties in 2006. And I actually, um, I actually had an intern at our church. I was a youth pastor, had an intern working for me and I had an, I had sex with this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, was an, I'm, I'm unmarried still. I was unmarried at the time, so I didn't have an affair. Right. But I, I sinned sexually. My, the leadership of the church discovered it. They fired me appropriately. Right. And uh, and it was the, it was I look back as one of the largest mistakes of my life. But God is so sovereign in that. After that, I ended up moving back to a city where I could get counseling and get mentored. And God again uses that perfectly because He's so gracious to us. But I, I learned from that is that I I try to be extremely cautious with my female relationships. Um, I, I'd even recommend, man, if you're a guy who owns a business, you have an assistant, maybe to see if you can get a male assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to bring it. I used to have like a lot of women around me as like my right hand person or, you know, it was like, I've learned, uh, that I, I need men around me. So if you are a man that has struggled with sexual sin, which all of us I'm sure have, obviously, yes, absolutely. Um, but, but, but really consider bringing, bringing men in. I try to be really cautious to not be alone in a car with a woman, to never be alone in a, in a room. This is going to sound crazy. I don't even get in an elevator by myself with a woman. Wow. Um, you know, just think about it. If you get in an elevator, if it's you and a woman, and she comes out and says, that man tried to rape me in there, and there's no cameras, yeah, yeah. it's your word It's your word against hers. That's right. Who, who are they going to believe? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
And so I, I know that sounds really extreme to some people, but that mistake I made has pervased in all throughout my ministry leadership over the last 10 years. And thanks for sharing that with us, because I think what I love about having Real Men Connect and bringing uh, men of faith on who love the Lord and are passionate about the Lord, even like you are, is that I want them to see we're still just men. You know, we have the same struggles, the same hangups, the same bad habits and things that got we're work in progress. So I love the fact that you that you're honest enough to share that because we all have similar stories of things that we regret. That's why I always ask the men, what's the biggest mistake? And to their credit, to the great men that I bring on this podcast, they're just like you. They they tell the truth about this is a mistake. I wish I could go back and do differently. Now, the A stands for attitude, Kenny, attitude. And obviously you get a lot of questions about theology from men as well as women. If you can change one attitude in men when it comes to dealing with our faith, Christianity, um, reading the Bible, what attitude would you change in men? This is an easy one to answer because it's over and over again. Mm-hmm. Men don't assume that spiritual leading is going to happen by itself. You have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, most spirit, most Christian families are being led by the Christian wife and the Christian mom. Right. And that is not God's design. It is your job as a man. Step up and be, I mean, start, obviously listening to a podcast like this is a great first step, but man, it, be proactive. You're the one that plans the schedule if we're going to do family devotions mm-hmm. or family worship. You're the one that determines we're getting up and go to church tomorrow. We're going to first service. Or you're the one that determines we're going to join a small group. Yeah. Men, the attitude is be the spiritual leader. It's not going to happen by accident. You've got to choose to do it. Thanks, Kenny. You know, again, now you also touched on what inspired me to do this because if anything, like you said, this is only a step. And the step is to get rid of the excuses that you don't know where to start or how to start or what to do first. That's what our whole podcast, our blog, our YouTube channel, everything we do is about you not making excuses as a man, not to step up as the spiritual head and leader of your household. So I'm glad you said that. That is perfect. Now, Kenny, the N stands for next. And dude, you are into a lot of things when it comes to serving God and and even doing um, a business. You run a business where you do um, um, stuff with the web. You know, you do web consulting and media, uh, social media consulting, that kind of thing. But what would be the b- next big thing you would attempt to do for God? if you couldn't fail. This is a great one. I'm seriously considering and praying right now, asking God to give me wisdom mm-hmm. on planting a brand new church in the Orlando region. Really? Wow. Yes, in 2017. So I've been praying, asking God, I think that's the next big thing. If I knew I couldn't fail, uh-huh. I'd already be on the play to, all the way to do it. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now on air, and, and I'm going to come in agreement with you on that because you, I told you I have family who lives down in Orlando, my sister and my, my dad, and I'm going to come to agreement with you that that is going to come to pass. Now, yeah. I will tell you this, since you said it on the air, I'm going to hold you accountable to it because <laughs> okay? now I have your contact information, that's so right. I'm going to be asking, okay, Kenny, so where are we, man? <laughs> what's the next step? What you going to do? And so, but I'm glad I did not know that. Kenny, that is awesome, man. And so yeah, I'll excited. be in agreement with you on that, man. I, I will love, oh, that would be awesome. Anyway, now that I just gave you the end. Let's give you the U. And the U represents understand. Now, Kenny, I know you're still relatively young, but you're over 30, you're 33 right now. But when you were younger, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you understand better now as a man? This kind of goes back to the question we were talking about. Um, but for the episode I did with Mike Adams about what you know, how, why is it hard for God to believe God loves me? Right. Um, and you and you've ta- I know you've talked about this in some of your speaking and, and work uh, with the father wound. Mm-hmm. I I didn't understand that God thinks I'm a man. 
mm. uh, that God loves me as a man, mm-hmm. um, that God uniquely made me to be a man. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand those. And it's that's still relatively new. It started several years ago. I read a book called Wild at Heart. Oh, which I know love it. Yes. Right, very famous. That started it. And then I've read several more books recently um, uh, you know, that, that continue to speak to that. But I just didn't understand that I really was a man mm-hmm. and that God loved me and that God had adequately created me to be a man. Right. And, and that, and that caused all kinds of problems that God, I'm seeing God begin to transform my life. Yeah. You referred to um, John Eldridge's book on Wild at Heart. That was the book, Kenny, that kind of was a shift for me to understand that I, I didn't realize a father wound existed until I read John Eldridge's book. Yeah. And then I realized that, oh, every man is looking for that affirmation. Even Jesus received it from the father. He said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Right. And God affirms us. And so, man, yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. Now, here's the last one, Kenny. Um, the last letter is P and it stands for problem. Now, as a mighty man of God, which you are, and what one problem in your life do you still struggle with as a man even today? Man, I uh, I struggle often, particularly when I'm when I'm working with younger women. Mm-hmm. I struggle with being gracious and gentle, mm-hmm. um, and I just think this is probably lots of men deal with this. I'm sure, <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like I probably have been worse at it than most of the men I know. Um, I just I just I'm very matter of fact. I'm, uh-huh. I'm ambitious. I'm aggressive. And I'm a go getter. I'm intense. Mm-hmm. I get excited. I'm passionate and. And sometimes that can be very overwhelming for, for a lot of people, right. but, but a lot of men can handle it. They go, well, you know, this is Kenny being Kenny and mm-hmm. he's kind of wild and crazy. And particularly when I'm, because I'm very driven, I'm very ambitious in a work setting. I sometimes have the ability to kind of run people over. I don't mean to, it's, it's always an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly when you're dealing with, with a woman, uh, w- women are much more gentle creatures and, and we, as men, we have to be more gentle. I have to learn to bring my, my voice tone down and, and talk a little slower. Not, not cause they're dumb. Like and some people are like, what do you No, It's because it's cause they're gentle and they deserve to be honored and respected. And I really have struggled through that for, for most of my life. And I still struggle. I mean, multiple times I can think of this week at work with someone that I, I said something that was just, it was too harsh. It was too right. abrupt. Right. And I had to call, I had to call her back and say, man, I, I'm really sorry that, that that came across too too harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "Yeah, it, it did." She goes, "I forgive you." She goes, "But you, you're better than you were a couple years ago." <laughs> she she encouraged me. Don't you just uh, love women? They're so yeah. encouraging. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so that's the problem I still deal with. And and it, but it's, it's tied to my father wound. But the right. more the more I know that God approves of me, the mm-hmm. easier it becomes for me to be gracious with mm-hmm. women. Kenny, thank you so much, man. Um, that's awesome. You did great on the man up questions. Thank you for being so transparent and honest. And I tell you, and I, and I hope this doesn't discourage you because I still struggle with that too, what you're struggling with. And, and I'm older than you and I'm trying to tell you, it is going to get better, Kenny, but it's been a slow process for me. And now that I have a, a, a daughter that has helped me uh, uh, out a lot more because I do want her to have a gentle husband, but she needs to see that in me first before she can mm-hmm. find one. And so, um, but thank you for sharing that, brother. I really appreciate that. Well, man, um, we've come to the end of our show for today, but um, don't you worry, we'll be back to do it again next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I just want to thank Kenneth Ortiz, Kenny, for joining us today and for being so gracious with his time. Kenny, you've been a phenomenal guest, man. Thank you for coming on the broadcast. It's been absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. And Kenny, quickly for our guests, um, for the listeners out there, um, if they wanted to find out more about you and your ministry, what you're doing, um, how to connect with you, what, where can they go and how can they find you? Yeah, the best way to do that is to go to the website for the podcast. That's theologyfortherestofus.com. The, the, the 
podcast info is on there, but I also have a resources page with books, our Twitter, social media, anything related to anything I'm doing is on that website. So it's one good spot to go to. Great. And we'll make sure we put all um, your contact information in the show notes as well. And if they, if by the end of this podcast, if they're not going to listen to your podcast, something's <laughs> wrong. They need, I'm telling you guys need to listen to this show. I, I mean, it's on my phone and I'm updating and making sure the next one's coming out. So, but thanks, Kenny. I really appreciate that. Now to all of you out there, please do us a small favor. And this is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. Guys, without you, I know we wouldn't even exist. So I thank you for each and every listener out there who's writing a review and just bragging about the show, sharing it with their friends and family. Please continue to do that as we try to grow this movement and advance this ministry. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with realmenconnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man that God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast, it's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.